Peter and Sophie come up now to read for us. I'm just going to ask Peter a couple of questions. Now, due to his humility, uh, he'd never admit to being a wise man, uh, but I do believe he has some wisdom to impart. So I'm going to ask him a couple of questions. As you know, through Proverbs, wisdom is the buzzword. Um, Peter, what's helped you grow in wisdom? Yeah, that question, uh, that question has the implication of being wise about it. And that worries me just a touch. Um, it would be a better question that said, um, what's helped you become a bit less foolish as you've got older? And I, I have to say that on the subject of wisdom, we have heard tonight wisdom of God in Anoop's prayer over um, uh, the events following the death of Osama bin Laden. There you see wisdom produced out of the fundamental knowledge of God I was about to be excessively pious and say something like uh, out of Proverbs chapter 1 there is that verse that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom and I was going to allude to that but I think in what we've heard tonight don't need to say that you've heard how you've heard an example of how the knowledge of God does provide the basis for wisdom not wisdom in itself, but the beginning of wisdom and the basis for that wisdom. Um, is there anything in particular that you would encourage people? Um, I guess we all want to grow in wisdom. Is there anything that you could help us out? Yeah. Well, on Mother's Day, wisdom, be nice to your mum. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good wisdom. Be nice to her anyway. Um, but there are a couple of things um, I, I hesitate really to give this advice but a couple of things that I've found I suppose the secret of wisdom is mistakes um, firstly recognising a mistake secondly recognising that it's your mistake it's not circumstances it's not somebody else's interference but the mistake that's made is mine stupid, why did I do that? That won't happen again. I found, I guess in my life, that that's one of the protections against repeating those mistakes. Is, And it's hard to do sometimes to recognise that, no, 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 that was my fault. Can't blame anybody else. That was me. I blew it. And I'm not going to blow it again. Um, the second bit of advice is uh, pause. In a previous incarnation, I uh, worked in management. And in management, there's a great pressure placed on decision-making. And I developed a philosophy of management, which I used to call uh, management by procrastination. And essentially, that philosophy said, if a decision doesn't have to be made now, don't make it. We, we pretend so often, we, we delude ourselves, that we have to decide now and do it now. The number of times in business that I was ready to make that decision at four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon, before the reason couldn't make it, couldn't implement it, slept on it overnight, came back on Friday morning and realised what a blunder that would have been. So, a bit of useful advice that's worked for me. Pause before you actually act on the decisions that you make.
Well, why don't we now turn to some real advice on wisdom. Some advice from the Word of God in Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ears to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield for those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. It will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who's left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirit of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Thus you will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. The second reading this evening is from James, chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, and it's on page 855. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the other parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. 
It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Anoop. If you haven't met, my name is Paul. I'm the pastor here. We're in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 2 tells us, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And tonight we're going to hear wisdom from the Lord on the topic of our words, uh, the words that we speak. I heard this about the book of Proverbs this week. Uh, Proverbs is education through correction. Proverbs will step on your toes, but in doing so will discipline you and keep your feet in the right path. Reading this book is profitable, but not comfortable. Reading this book is profitable, but not comfortable. And tonight we're talking about the topics of words, uh, because our words are very powerful. Did you know that? That your words are very powerful. We all know that the, the schoolyard rhyme is utterly untrue. Uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. It's utter nonsense, isn't it? Because uh, many of us here have been hurt badly and wounded deeply by words that were spoken to us many, many years ago. Words of a teacher, words of a parent, words of a lover, words of a friend, words of a colleague that have lived with us and shaped us in many ways. Maybe it was a word about your looks or your intellect or your character. And you know that they've hurt you deeply because that's the power of words. I guess we've all spoken words in the heat of the moment. The words that you regret as soon as you've said them. And you can say sorry, but you've still got to work hard at healing that wound. And many of us, you know, we, we actually carefully plan and cleverly choose our words to have the most impact. And sometimes even to cause the deepest hurt. Because we know that words are powerful. I reckon we should rewrite the rhyme that sticks and stones can only break my bones. But that's okay, my bones will heal. But words, they have the power really to hurt. Because words penetrate my heart and they destroy my soul and they can shape my whole being. You see, your words have the power to help somebody or the power to hurt the words that come out of your mouth have the power to bring great healing or deep, deep hurt. So think about this last week. Maybe somebody spoke to you a word of personal criticism. And it's left you feeling angry. And it's left you feeling resentment and bitterness 
and just hurt. Or maybe this week somebody has spoken to you words of real comfort. A soothing word that just reassured you and edified you and built you up and sustained you. That is the power of words. Let me give you some examples. You always do that. I can't stand it when you do that. You're such a servant. I do thank God for you. I don't love you anymore. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. Just those simple words, they have profound meanings, profound effect on you. And in a church, my friends, in this church, our words can make this place a place of real joy. Words of mutual encouragement, words of edification, words of praise and adoring our great God, words of comfort, words of healing, words of rebuke spoken in love. Or this place can be a place full of slander and lies and gossip and quarreling. And that's why we're looking at words. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is very concerned with our words. Do you know that one out of seven Proverbs is about your words? One out of every seven Proverbs is about what you say, your speech, your tongue, your words, because words are important to our God. Words have always been important to God, haven't they? How did God create his universe? How did he create his world? He spoke the world through into, into existence through his word. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is called the, the word, the living word. How does God teach us and train us and instruct us? It's through his, his word. How do you relate to people? It's through your words. Words have always been important to God. And the book of Proverbs, God's wisdom for you tonight is this. It's very simple. Be careful about your words. Take care over your words. Think what you say, how you say it, why you say it, and look at your heart. You see, our words reflect the condition of our heart. Think about that. Our words reflect the condition of our hearts. That's true, isn't it? That your mouth is like the channel for your heart. So you can't tell what my heart is really like just by looking at me. But when I open my mouth, when I speak, when I interact, when I relate, you get a much better idea of my character, of my heart. If my words are full of bitterness, then my heart's bitter. If my words are, are, are full of criticism, I've got a critical heart. If my words are full of love and, and gentleness and kindness, that reflects the nature of my heart. That's what Proverbs says, Proverbs twelve twenty three: uh, A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the heart of a fool blurts out folly. If you're the kind of person who are just speaking foolish words and foolish words, that's a good indication that your heart is foolish. But, 1623, a wise man's heart 
guides his mouth. And that's what I've been praying about tonight's sermon. Not just change the way that we speak, but expose where our heart is really at. Our summary proverbs for words is this one. 12.18 Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. See the contrast? I'm going to look at two contrasting points tonight. The first one is this. The dangers of foolish and destructive words. The wisdom from God is beware of words that are foolish and destructive. Now, what kind of words am I talking about? What kind of words does Proverbs talk about? Lots of different words. It says beware of lies. Lies are when you use your words to misrepresent truth. You deliberately deceive the hearer. You, you might twist a fact, often for your own advantage. You might pass on inaccurate information. You might just play loose with the truth, but it's lies. And you misrepresent a past event or even make a, a deceptive promise, but it's still a lie. Listen to what Proverbs says. 14.5, a truthful witness does not deceive, but a false witness pours out lies. 14.25, a, a truthful witness saves lies, but a false witness is deceitful. 25.18, like a club or sword or sharp arrow is the man who gives literally lies against his neighbor. Let me say, friends, if you're here tonight and you're prone to lying... I do hope you've got a very long memory. That's the thing about liars. You have to remember who you said what to, to keep up that pretense. And the thing about lying is that you always have to tell another lie to cover a lie. Beware of lying. Beware of gossip or, or rumors. 11.13 puts it well. A, a gossip betrays confidence. But a trustworthy man keeps a secret. A gossip is when you have, you've got some privileged information, but it's not for common knowledge. But as a gossip, you feel that need to pass on those, that information to other people who don't need to know. Now, why do you do that? Because gossip is mouth-wateringly tantalizing. That's what Proverbs tells us, 18.8. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They're just so tempting that they look so good. And that's what's so tempting about gossip. It's entertaining to discuss the private life of other people. And it makes us look good and feel good. And Proverbs says, no, you're a fool. Beware of gossip. Beware of flattery. Have you ever met a flatterer? The kind of person who, they're always buttering you up. They're always talking you up. They're, they're excessive in their complimenting. That was the best Bible study I've ever had. You are, you're the kindest person I've ever, ever met. And they're just so excessive in their compliments. And it's often with their own hidden agenda. 
to get something that they really want. It reminds me of the seductive woman in 721. With persuasive words, she led him astray, and she, she seduced him with her smooth talk. That is flattery. It's seductive. It's manipulative. And we're, we're sucked in. But just as bad as bragging is when you use your words to, to paint a far better picture of yourself than reality. You've met those people? Maybe you are one of those persons. Maybe you're the person who has that ability to turn every conversation onto you. And so you subtly promote what you've done and what you've achieved and how successful you are. And the Bible says you're foolish. Because 21, 27 verse 2 says, let another praise you and not your own mouth. Someone else and not your own lips. You might have been successful, but let somebody else praise you rather than you bragging about yourself. Beware of using your words for insult or slander. 10.18, he who conceals his hatred has lying lips. Whoever spreads slander is a fool. The slander is when you use your words to attack someone else's character. And the problem with slander is you often do it behind their back. Beware of slander, beware of quarreling. 26 verse 20 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers, as a wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. See, you can use your words just to have this great verbal argument and keep fighting and keep quarreling. And it's not just friendly banter. It's actually destructive. And maybe you're the kind of person who enjoys a good argument. You always feel the need to correct everything and you're never wrong and your, your opinion is always the last voice to be heard and you never back down. That's called quarreling and arguing. And I could continue with God's Proverbs. He, he says, beware of practical joking. Beware of meddling words. Beware of rash words. Beware of embellishing facts. Beware of exaggerations. According to Proverbs, there's this whole spectrum of things that you can do with your words that are foolish. And I guess like me, you're susceptible to them. Now what's at the heart of this? Why do we use our mouth to utter these foolish, destructive words? I think sometimes it's pride. We have a very high opinion of ourselves and we always think that we're right and we've got the best ideas and no one can disagree with us. And so we use our words to just puff ourselves up and brag about ourselves or, or quarrel with those who disagree with us because we're just too proud. Uh, sometimes I think it's in insecurity. You know, we feel this need to be loved and so we're the most vocal or we spread the gossip because we want to be popular and want to be loved. Or maybe it's just arrogance that we have such a high opinion on everything because we're always right. And that combination of pride and insecurity and arrogance is a lethal cocktail. But according to Proverbs, at the heart of it all, your foolish words will reveal a heart which is full of, here it is, full of hatred. A lying tongue hates those it hurts. Proverbs 26, verse 28. It's hatred because your words 
are hurting. It's hatred because your words are destructive. You know that. You know that your words hurt people and you know that your words crush people and you know that your words belittle people and betray confidences and bring resentments and bitterness and mistrust. That's the reality that your words, to quote 12 verse 18, they pierce like a sword. They're destructive. They're not harmless. And so this week, before I can preach this sermon, I've had to actually do some hard work and think about the slander I might have spoken or or the gossip I've spoken or the lies I've spoken. I, I can't preach here without having actually done the work myself. I think about a, a gossip that I did speak and a trust that was broken. And I've had to try and rebuild that trust in a relationship. Or I've thought about words that I've spoken in haste and I know I've caused deep hurt and I've apologized, but the wound is still being healed. And I'm sure there's words that I've spoken which have caused unseen damage. Perhaps these people are carrying these words into their life. I don't know that. But James 3, I think, sums it up well. James 3, 5 and 6. The tongue is a small part of the body. It makes great boasts. Uh, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And the tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. That's the analogy, that your words are like a match that starts a bushfire. One small flame, one small match, one small word can cause utter devastation. That's the power of words. And what I'm asking you tonight, friends, what I'm pleading with you, church, is just to, just to watch your words. Don't waste your time on dangerous opinions and perverted advice and ill-gotten gossip and wagging tongues. Flee from it. Don't listen to it. Don't indulge in it. And think this week about how you speak. How, how are you going to speak to your, your wife or your husband? How are you going to speak to your friend or your lover? How are you going to speak to your work colleague? How are you going to speak to your children? How are you going to speak to the person who makes coffee for you? How are you going to speak to the person you, walk into, you bump across in the street? How are you going to speak to the people who you disagree with? And then ask people this week, what do my words show you about my heart? That's a good question. What would you think my heart is like based on what you hear coming out of my mouth? About this time last year, a couple from this church took me aside and rebuked me about what they saw as a persistent habit with my words. And it was very painful, but very appropriate. I was wrong. I needed to change. The dangers of foolish, destructive words. Here's the flip side. The delight of wise, constructive words. It's 12.18 again. Reckless words pierce like a sword. But look at the second half. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. You ever thought that, that you can use your words to bring healing? Maybe you're thinking of some words of advice 
some words of counsel that, that really change your life. Maybe you're thinking some words of comfort that, that brought healing to your hurting heart. Maybe it was a word of correction that actually you needed to hear, but it brought you healing. Maybe it's the word of the gospel. The word of the gospel that brought you from darkness to light. The, the tongue of the wise brings healing. And Church by the Bridge, if you want your words to be right and true and just and fair and wise, what's God's wisdom for you? Learn to listen carefully. The people who are wisest with their words are the most careful listeners. That's what 18 verse 13 says. Uh, he who answers before listening, that's his folly and his shame. If you want to be wise with your words, learn to listen very carefully before you choose to speak. 2019 says something similar. A gossip betrays a confidence. Avoid a man who talks too much. Talk less, listen more. That's pastoral care 101, isn't it? People with the wisest words are the best listeners. They don't always hold the floor in every conversation. <coughs> listen very carefully and speak less. Speak less words, fewer words, limited words. 13 verse 3 says, He who guards his lips guards his life. 10 verse 19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. I love that. It's that picture of if you choose to, 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 to think before you speak and you guard your lips and you're almost very measured in what you choose to say, I think the wisest speaker is almost reluctant to open their mouth. Because they know that their words have the power to either build up or to destroy. And they choose their words very carefully. 15 verse 2 tells you the opposite. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. That word gushes, this idea that it's that verbal diarrhea. just keeps coming at you. And amongst it, there might be some wisdom, but there's lots of folly there. Far better to say fewer words of the wise than lots of words that contain some wisdom, but mostly folly. Listen more, speak less, but it does say, speak the truth, speak honest words. The words that we do speak need to be true, accurate, no lies, no flattery, no speculation, just plain, honest truth. 12.17, a truthful witness gives honest testimony. Uh, 15.23, a man finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word? You ever experienced that? It may have been a hard word. It may have been a rebuke, but you needed to hear it, and it was refreshing for you. It was just the truth. Because if you want to be wise with your words, listen more, speak less, but speak the truth. Because remember that your words can either pierce like a sword or bring healing to others. Why have we got to work hard at our words? Because it benefits others, it benefits yourself, and God loves it. It's good for other people. Uh, the tongue that brings healing is a, is a tree of life. 16.24, pleasant words are a honeycomb, 
sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Uh, you can choose to speak words this week that will bring great healing to somebody. You can choose to speak words of reconciliation. You can choose to speak words of kindness. You can choose to speak words of healing and help. Or you could choose to speak words that tear people down. Pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Let me say, if you've got nothing good to say, the wise person says nothing at all. It also protects you. If your words are wise, 21, 23, he who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. You ever thought about that? By choosing to be wise with your words, you're actually protecting yourself. You avoid the distress, the, the stress of, you know, who have I told, what have I told, what to, how do I keep up this pretense? And you avoid those confrontations. You ever had those where you have to meet with somebody a second time and a third time and a fourth time to unpack what you did say and what you didn't say? It's good for you to choose your words wisely and... And God loves it. 12.22, God delights in men who are truthful. So that's it, friends. The dangers of foolish and destructive words and delight of wise and constructive words. I'm just saying be very careful how you speak because your words are powerful. But is that it? Am I just saying to you tonight, just be careful how you speak? Maybe you're sitting here feeling a bit sort of condemned. It's easy to read James chapter 3 and feel a bit despondent. When James says in verse, uh, chapter 3 verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed. And they have been tamed by man, but, but no man can tame the tongue. And you know that. Uh, my bet is before tonight is out, you've said something that you regret and make you cringe. So how do you tame your tongue? How can you change your words? And the answer is, you need a new, a new heart. Because if your words reveal your heart, then what you really need is a new heart. And isn't that the good news of the gospel? That Jesus Christ doesn't just save us from our sins, but he actually lives in us by his spirit, and he gives us a new heart. And with that new heart, I can praise God. And with that new heart, I can praise people. And with that new heart, I can listen to people wisely. And with that new heart, I can speak words of healing. And that's the joy of the gospel, isn't it? I don't want you to leave here feeling condemned about your words. You might need to have a hard conversation and apologize with somebody. You might need to say, yes, I have been gossiping, I have been lying. But the most important thing to do tonight is to, to flee to Jesus, to run back to Jesus, to find your security in him and thank him for a new heart. And then learn, learn to live Learn to speak words which reflect a new heart, a heart not of stone but of the Spirit, and then to walk by that Spirit day by day. Your words are powerful. 
but God's given you a new heart so that you can speak words of healing. You've got a choice to make. Will you be wise? Or will you be a fool? Please be careful with the words that you say. I'm going to leave a moment of silence for you to do business with God by yourself, to think about the words that you speak. And before we sing our last couple of songs, we're going to spend a moment just confessing to God and asking for his mercy. join with me. Lord, we have come to see that our lives fall far short of your glory. Have mercy and forgive us. Lord, you've given your life for us and poured out your spirit, yet we fail to return your love with all our heart. Have mercy and change us. Too often we're selfish and proud, ignoring you, Lord, and neglecting others. Have mercy and cleanse us. Lord, when we do not truly trust and obey you, we're overwhelmed by self-pity, fear and worry. Have mercy and deliver us. In Christ, we're given a sure hope and a secure love, and yet we follow the false hopes and desires of this world. Have mercy and forgive us. Father, through the redeeming death of your Son on the cross, By your spirit and through your word, transform and renew us to follow you with joy. All this we ask, confident of your unchanging faithfulness.